Good morning, Auburn, and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's home for student-run radio since 1971. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joining alongside my color man, Davis Carroll, and the illustrious Alex Houston. We'd like to welcome in our listeners and viewers from across the Auburn Opelika Megaplex and around the world, however you may be tuning in today, whether that be on your terrestrial radio antenna through the information superhighway at weglfm.com or tuning in after the fact on transistor.fm, Eagle Eye TV, or listening to our podcast. We are happy to have you here in the booth with us for Auburn's only student-run drive-time morning show. And now, of course, we are broadcasting live from the Bradley Base and WEGL studios in the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where it is a soggy 70 degrees outside this fine Monday morning. Welcome into Compact Discourse. We wish you a most sincere buenos dias, good morgen, or bon matinee as we get on with the show. Davis, how are you feeling this fine Monday? I see that you survived. Um, did you live to tell the story? I believe I did. I'm feeling good. It's going to be a rainy day. And I had a good night of sleep last night after our, after our fun weekend in Baton Rouge. And Alex, I presume you also made it down to Baton Rouge as well. I mean, I don't know why you say presume, Jack. I was all of six feet from you for the majority of the game. The, the listeners don't know that. That's true, they don't. But, yes, I did. I convinced uh, my dad to go with me, who had only been to Tiger Stadium just one time before back in the 90s. And I was like, it'll be a fun idea and, you know, a, f- a fun trip and a chance for Auburn to win. And it was worth it, as my dad agreed with me. And it was. Well, that was awesome. Yeah, it was great to see uh, all the Weagle people that made it down the trip to Baton Rouge. We had a whole crew, including the lights of uh, Harrison Tarr, and Will Root, and of course, the one and only uh, Mr. Houston, who uh, kept us entertained during the during the low points of the Auburn LSU game. So he certainly tried his best. We are thankful for that. All right, we'll get into Auburn LSU and a whole lot more from this exciting weekend in sports just a little bit into the show. At this point, I would like to remind our audience that if at any point in the next two hours you feel so inclined to ask us a question, drop a hot take, uh, comment on Alex's camera, which is going absolutely haywire if you're watching our video stream or in the, in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong. If you want to correct us, you can call in at 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-WEGL on your touchtone keypad. You can also send us a tweet at CDISCAU. That's C-D-I-S-C-A-U. And we would love to hear from you about anything on, off, around, or through the show here. Um, a lot to get to this week as we jump right into the show. Um, I guess we can just start in the obvious place, and we'll talk about our trip down to LSU for the weekend. So does anyone want to kick that one off with uh, some high points or low points? Uh, Davis? Okay, uh, I guess I, I guess I'll take it. I was gonna let Alex say it since he went down there, had a nice family trip with his dad. I mean, I was just I, I know I'll talk a lot about it, so I want to let you guys go first before I go into my like sixteen paragraph response. <laughs> so I, I'm just trying. Uh, to- that was my first time in Baton Rouge, from my third or fourth time in uh, Louisiana, as it is. All the other times I've been in New Orleans. It was nice to see a new place in Baton Rouge. Nice to see another uh, campus of a SEC college. I've only ever been to uh, Alabama. I think that's yeah. I think it's really the only other one I've been to. So it's nice to see it. Nice to see some fun new traditions. Uh, I do have an issue with how muddy it gets there. Is that is that an every time thing you said? Um, I think it was definitely exacerbated by the the deluge that preceded us, uh, even on the day of the game. But I think in the in the days leading up to the game, it was pretty soggy down down in the bayou. But 
Um, the day of the game, I think we delayed our going out to tailgate by an hour or so just to let the rain come through. And as a result, by the time we got out there, um, in, in the more exciting parts of campus, I'll say we were trudging through a foot or two of mud just to get to our destination. Yeah, it was. I think that's just Louisiana in general. I've been to LSU only once before um, on a college visit when I was still trying to figure out where I wanted to go, and it was also kind of very similar weather, I, I, as, if my memory is correct. So I think that's just Louisiana, specifically the lower half of Louisiana. So I think that checks out. But, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, my dad and I, whenever we go on a trip, we've always got to get some good food. Like, we're not just going to stop at the local McDonald's and call it a day. So we stopped at this place outside of Baton Rouge called Frank's Smokehouse. We've only been there once before. The last time we were in Baton Rouge, we decided we had to go back. That place is awesome. I bought a T-shirt. It was the most packed restaurant I've ever seen, and we still got in and out of there in about 30 minutes. A lot of good food. I recommend anybody who returns to Baton Rouge to stop by Frank's Smokehouse and get their gravy options. They've got four of them on the menu. Mm. Um, Making me hungry, Alex. But, uh, it was, what, what kinds of – I mean – I can think of two kinds, a, two kinds of gravy. I have a photo of the menu that I can. Uh, oh, well, I, I, well, took a, share. I took a photo of the menu, so I'll go ahead and read them off for you guys. Because the menu is very extensive. If my camera was working, I would show it to the. But Davis, that's an example of just one side of the menu, and then if you swipe to the right, you'll have your other side of the menu as well. It's very extensive. Cracker Barrel esque is hot stuff. Yeah, how I would describe it. And then the gravy options, of course, you've got your traditional country sausage gravy, your white pepper gravy, but then. You've got your New Orleans Creole sauce with cream tomato, onions, bell peppers, shrimp, and cheese. Mm. And then your smoked tasso cream sauce with cream tasso, onions, bell pepper, cilantro, and Italian seasoning. My dad went with that option. He was pretty good. He posted on his soup Instagram account, even though it's not soup. So at least I saw that one. Yeah, he was he was very he, the second he got it, he's like, I'm gonna post on my soup account. He's very proud of that moment. Um yeah, we stopped there and that was great. And then we just went to walk-ons for what was it, like five and a half hours just watch all the games because wow. there was a lot of games. Yeah, we were standing at the bar at walk-ons for a long time. What was the scene like at walk-ons? It was crazy. Is and walk-ons that walk-ons you know the it's a Louisiana-based That's company. The, like the walk-ons. As far as I'm concerned, that is the walk-ons. Except there might be one in New Orleans that is the original because it is uh, partly owned by Drew Brees. But mm. that was you know I mean they had a huge tent set up. They knew this is a game day place. This is not you know your local. Buffalo Wild Wings that happens to have a lot of TVs. This is the place they know. They had a live band outside. There was a million TVs. And we got there early, luckily, and got a spot on the bar. But it was getting crazy. And, I mean, there were a lot of LSU people and a lot of people that hated Alabama because every time Ole Miss would move the football, people would freak out. And every time Alabama would score, they'd get angry. But it was, mm. it was you know, it, one thing is the LSU fans were not hostile like a lot of people said. Like, I mean, they did their, you know, they yelled Tiger bait, but that's, I mean that that's not really anything to to write home about I don't think like I mean my as we left my dad said we're going to try and not get stabbed and I was like I mean that's the stories that I'd heard it's happened there before so like my brother did not go to the game because he thought it would have been a miserable experience and it wasn't so that was just, and it, like at walk-ons I mean people were there drinking for hours and I expected to get crazy and it really wasn't that bad so that was just my biggest takeaway from that weekend non-football related I would say so, yeah. It, it never got to a point where I, I feared for my life as I've been pitched at yeah. a few times. But uh, it, it was it was a scene, I think, is, is a good way of describing it. Yeah. 
I would say, though, the one thing I may have gathered from this is I think those moments when LSU gets too raucous is when they play Alabama. Because, I mean, how many people did you guys see that week? Like, we had a couple people walk up to us and say, hey, we like Auburn. We just hate Alabama. I have not heard like, that. We had, I did not hear that. We had, we had this old couple behind us who was saying how much they hated the Tiger Bait thing in general and then said, Auburn's pretty great. You guys have always been nice to us. We just really hate Alabama and can't stand Bama fans. Which, I mean, I feel like that's – like. If Auburn fans were to be ranked on sort of a dislike scale within the SEC, I don't think Auburn's top seven. I really don't. Like, I think the rest of the conference dislikes Georgia, LSU, and Bama. I think you can throw in Mississippi State because nobody likes the Cowbells, right? Mm. Like, I think you could throw in Florida, maybe. I, I don't know. I've never been to Florida. But, like, Auburn is probably not in the top five there. And I think that's what I gathered is that it's really for – the teams they dislike more. And I don't think they dislike Auburn as much as they dislike other teams. You putting Tennessee above Auburn on the fan wise? I don't know. I don't know. Um again, I think I think it's I think there's maybe four or five teams cause I, at that point I don't I don't think the bottom eight teams aren't disliked at all. Like I don't think anybody dislikes Vandy fans. I don't think anybody dislikes Kentucky fans. But I don't know. I haven't experienced all those environments as much as I have experienced one Georgia fans, for example. Um but that was just really interesting to me. And I think that's where the, the stories come from, is the chaos against Alabama. But I don't know. Interesting. Very interesting. Much to consider there. Bit of an SEC anthropologist just studying these people. and their This behaviors. guy gets it. What the? I, I guess I try my best. I don't know. But, yes, so we will get to all that transpired in Baton Rouge and more on the other side of this break, including that little football game that was also played if you uh, missed that and all the chaos so Auburn LSU when we get back and some more discussion about our trip down to see the Bayou Bengals Golden Band from Tigerland and the rest of the crew down in the swamp in Baton Rouge Louisiana we right back I'm Ale- I'm Jack Hart joined alongside Alex Houston and Davis Carroll you're listening to Compact Discourse on WEGL 91.1 FM Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, wigglefm.com, or however you are joining us today. We thank you for doing so. We hope you are staying dry and warm on this rainy Monday morning. Welcome to October, first show of the 10th month of the year for us here on Compact Discourse. Hope everybody's getting excited for the fall weather. I hope this rain cools things down just a little bit. Might see some more leaves on the ground. Some more pumpkins out on the porches and all the trappings of the autumn season as we roll on into fall. All right, well, I want to remind you that uh, you can follow the station WEGL on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at WEGL underscore AU. They've really been ramping up the amount of posts on all three of those platforms, so go ahead and check those out if you have not already. And you can also follow us on Compact Discourse at CDiscAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U on Twitter if you want to get updates about the show and a lot more exciting stuff. Um, Plenty of updates on the Twitter as well. You can also tweet at us, and we would love to get your opinions, conversations, thoughts, whatever, on the show today and any other day um, as we continue to move on with the week. We are still discussing Auburn versus LSU 
and all that came with it, including the uh, trip down to Baton Rouge that the three of us made, along with some of our compatriots from WEGL, including the uh, lovely Chris Tobias, Jacob Hillman, uh, plenty of other individuals made the trip down as well to witness history for the first time since 1999. The Auburn Tigers come away with a victory in Death Valley and a in dramatic fashion, as Auburn is wont to do, uh, did not make it easy on us, but Auburn was able to come away with the victory. So we will jump right into the game right now. If you have any thoughts on the game, which I know you do, you can go ahead and call in at 334-844-9345. We'd love to get your take on what happened down in Death Valley on Saturday night, night being the key word there because this game did not kick off until 8 p.m. local time, which is just about the latest game I've ever been to and the first night game I've ever been to in Death Valley because the past two Auburn LSU games were the SC, uh, the CBS game, which put them at 2.30. So six hours later than I was used to arriving at Death Valley is when this game kicked off, and what a dramatic game it was starting out and ending out in the early minutes of Sunday morning uh, is when we got out of the stadium even. So uh, quite the scene in, in, the, in the Cathedral of Concrete and Steel that is Tiger Stadium. Definitely. Um, I was surprised they made it such a late game. I, I figured they would have waited for a more high-profile game to make LSU that, especially with the slate of games. There was not much going on at 6 o'clock. Like, I think the Stanford-Oregon game ended at 6, right? And there wasn't, there wasn't much else. I was surprised that that's what they went with for scheduling. The scheduling overall seemed very odd in general. Mm-hmm. But the, well, yeah, again, I mean, this week, they're scheduling Arkansas and Ole Miss at 11 a.m. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, you had Arkansas and Georgia at 11. I mean, obviously, that ended up not being a fantastic game to watch, but the fact that you have a top-10 SEC matchup getting stuck at 11 a.m. kick if you're an Arkansas fan, pretty disappointing. It's it's got it's something to do with ESPN, I think, trying to counter the uh, Big Ten, Big Noon kickoff because traditionally ESPN 11 a.m. games have been garbage mm-hmm. for, for years, as far as I can remember. 11 a.m. was the, oh, you're still making your tailgate food? That's fine. Nothing important is on, right? We're just gearing up for the 2.30 CBS to start it. I think, and I think ESPN wants to counter that. They want to try and keep viewers at ESPN throughout. From game day yeah. all the way to yeah, know, exactly. Auburn LSU ends. And I get, I get the ESPN. I just don't think it's a very good one. I don't think it's very smart. I figured, I figured the money they made at the 6 p.m. slots was enough. But it still was a, a, a cool game in a cool environment. I saw a lot of people on Twitter very much in support of those later games because that was just a unique feel. I was a bit disappointed in the environment at Tiger Stadium in particular. But maybe that's a conversation for another day. I don't know. I don't yeah, know if it is. I will say I that, that. Uh, Tiger Stadium was pretty much at no point completely full. Yeah. The tickets, I, I, I'm going to look up the official attendance now because you can, you can tend to find them on Wikipedia for the team's year. But I don't know how accurate it will be because Auburn's numbers have been inflated. For example, the Georgia yeah. State game, they said it was 86,000. It was not close to that. The upper decks were half empty. I've got 97.7, but I don't think that's right. That's, they, there's no way that is 97,000 people. Do they base it off tickets bought or tickets I don't know what redeemed they base it. at the gate? I don't know what they base it off. It must be tickets bought because Tiger Stadium only held 92,000 when the two upper decks were built before they built the end zone upper, upper seating. And... The upper decks were not full, let alone the lower bowl. There's no way it's 97,000 people. Must have been tickets bought. I was surprised by that. I have a, I mean, I don't know what the reason is. We'll really, I think a lot of how we're seeing football attendance affected 
this season will be seen with the Georgia game this Saturday. Because if the Georgia game is not a sellout, then we know something else is at play other than people just not want to go to football games. Mm-hmm. Because the Georgia game sells out. Has so- the Georgia game sold out in 2012 when Auburn was the worst team on the planet. That game sold out. So if it doesn't sell out this weekend, then we'll know. I think, I think it's really time to have a discussion about what's happening to football attendance. Because I didn't expect Tiger Stadium to be that empty. I also personally didn't like... And maybe this is this is more a me thing. The overall design of the stadium and the fact that the upper decks were seven billion feet in the air to where you couldn't see anything that's happening. Like it was very like I could see it, but like my dad who behind me, I don't think could tell anything that was going on and based it on our reactions, to be honest, because I think it was very far away where compared to uh, Auburn Stadium. I mean, the upper decks are as close as you can put them. There's the layer of, you know, press seating and um, box seating, but then the upper decks are right there. And even then, Auburn compensates with the biggest jumbotron on the planet, or in college football at least, right? And LSU did not have that. You know, I don't. I found that you couldn't really look at the jumbotron to see what was happening, even for replays. That's, again, another grievance of mine. But I don't know. I just thought I was kind of disappointed in how lackluster the environment was based on everything that I'd heard. It was still very loud, and the student section was still very loud. But even the student section emptied halfway through the game, mm-hmm. which it's was odd to me. Definitely the least raucous I've ever seen Tiger Stadium. Yeah. I thought you've been before, so you probably know more about it than I do. I've been before, yeah. And like I said, the other two times I went were afternoon games, but they were also uh, one of them was a top 10 Auburn team getting upset, and the other one was the Joe Burrow year where every game was a sellout in, in Tiger Stadium. So. Um, I, I think I, I, I can expect Tiger fans to be a, a bit more raucous about their team when they're doing well uh, rather than this disappointing year that LSU's been having so far. So LSU drops to 3-2 and two with the loss to Auburn, 1-1 uh, one and one in conference. Auburn opens up their conference season with a big win. Brian Harson gets a win in his first ever conference game in the SEC. The Auburn Tigers improved to 4-1. and one. They jumped from number 22 in the AP poll all the way up to number 18. We'll get to the AP poll later in the show and some immediate reactions to the new top 25. Uh, going over the stats for the game, Bo Nix, of course, was your leading passer. He was 23 of 44 for 255 yards. He averaged uh, 5.8 yards per completion. He threw one touchdown on a Houdini-esque scramble in which, as the lovely John Boyce on Twitter described as he explored every part of the backfield as if it were the Legend of Zelda dungeon before finally throwing the ball downfield for six points. Uh, on the other side of the ball, it was Max Johnson. He was 26 of 46 for the LSU Tigers. He threw for 325 yards, averaged seven yards per attempt, um, completion. He threw one touchdown and one game-stealing interception for a QBR of 50.4. Um, here's your surprise of the game. Bo Nix was your leading rusher for the Auburn Tigers uh, with 12 carries, 74 yards, and one rushing touchdown. Uh, your other two rushers were, of course, Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bigsby, good for six and nine carries, respectively, 65 and 27 yards. So game plan obviously there for the LSU Tigers to shut down the Auburn run game because that is exactly what they did, and Auburn had to find other ways to do that including targeting Jan- John Samuel Shanker, who was your leading receiver for the Auburn Tigers. He had five receptions for 102 yards and the average reception of 20.4 yards. He also had Demetrius Robinson in the mix. He had six catches for 60 
And, of course, big touchdown pass from Tyler Fromm. Uh, he received that pass, three receptions, 40 yards, 13 on average, and, of course, that long touchdown pass for Schenker. And that was, of course, no turnovers in the game except for that game-stealing interception by Max Johnson, so pretty clean game, all things considered. Um, leading tackler was Jacoby McLean with 12 and one and a half sacks for Derek Hall. That was your uh, defensively, and then by Darius Knighton with that game ceiling interception. And that is just about it for your stats report, of course. And then there's also Anders Carlson, one for three on field goals, one long one he missed, one was blocked, and one well, that was good from 49 out. He was three or three on extra points, and that is going to do it for your stat sheet. I think we're learning a lot of things about this Auburn team through these five games so far. I think the Akron-Alabama State games were fun, but it wasn't going to tell us a lot. I don't, th- I don't think it was, and I think now we've learned a lot of things, including one, the offensive line is not very good. They just aren't. As much as Bobo doesn't like to run the ball, there wasn't a lot of options, mm-hmm. and I've also heard rumors that Tank Bigsby was hurt throughout the game and the injury was aggravated, which is why later on, I think you guys noticed they used him as a decoy a lot more, which he's effective because, again, he's the best player on the field when he's on the field. Yeah, He, he is. That's just the reality of it at this point. And I think it was clever to use him in that regard, but I think it also is the fact that he runs like Derrick Henry when he's not as big as Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry can go one-on-one with those defensive linemen because he is huge. Tank Bigsby is not. Tank Bigsby's strength is getting in the secondary because I don't think there's a single cornerback that can take him down one-on-one at this point. But... I think that was the biggest issue is the offensive line is not very good. But additionally from that game, I think Derek Mason is a great defensive coordinator. The adjustments he's made in back-to-back games to essentially shut down opposing offenses cannot be understated at this point. Mm -hmm. And I think you really need to give him credit for utilizing a team and a defense that I don't think is as talented as a lot of people were hoping it is. And I think he's got a lot more out of this defense than other coordinators would have in the past, specifically with Colby Wooden, who I think is the best defensive player Auburn has outside of their linebacking core. Those are my biggest take- takeaways because I know we got to go to a break uh, soon. Yeah, we do have to go to a break, but quickly I will remind everybody that uh, LSU got out to a 13 to nothing lead before Auburn came back and made it 13 to 10 at halftime. Um, at that point, LSU kicked two field goals in the third quarter, and Auburn with those two big touchdowns in the fourth quarter to seal the deal. So, yeah, you can't say enough about this Auburn defense who, after falling down 13 to nothing, just held LSU to four field goals the rest of the way, and that was all that she wrote for the LSU Tigers as they come away with just 19 points against this Auburn defense. So great job by Derek Mason and the defense to keep the Tigers in a position to where they could get that final killing blow at the end of that game with about a minute left to go was the rushing touchdown, two minutes to go. All right, speaking of two minutes, we are going to have to take a quick two-minute break. And when we come back, more compact discourse and more college football talk. Don't go anywhere. I'm Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex Houston and Davis Carroll. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on the Big 91, WEGL 91.1 FM, celebrating 50 years of student-run radio. Welcoming you back into the show. You're, of course, listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll and Alex Houston, which is the bottom of the hour, so we're going to hit your Auburn-Alabama weather report. It is 70 degrees and showers this fine Monday morning, so I hope wherever you are listening to this show, you are staying dry or planning accordingly. If you're going to have to venture out to class, work, school, or whatever today on campus or around town, uh, we might get up to 75 degrees. We might get down to 66 degrees today, but regardless, there's going to be clouds in the sky, and it will be raining, so uh, taking a look at our radar, just looks like bands of showers heading across the Southeast and uh, Alabama included from west to east. So just be wary. Should be on and off rain all day. Um, 62% chance of rain this afternoon and in this evening and overnight. Thunderstorms are going to go away, but showers will continue. We're looking at an 80 and 90% chance of rain this evening and overnight. So looking at the rain, probably set to continue for a little bit. Uh, we're looking at rain and probably until Thursday, but the weekend is looking pretty good. So something to look forward to as fall break kicks off, as well as the Auburn-Georgia game and tip off at Tumors. It's going to be an exciting week for Auburn athletics. So get excited for all of that and just get through a little bit of rain here this week. I think it'll make fall break just a little bit better that once it dries up. All right. How are we feeling? You stay dry on the way here, guys? Yes, I did, actually. I, I put on my raincoat because I wasn't aware it was going to rain, and then it, the rain stopped for the brief moment as I walked uh, my way to the student center, so that was pretty lucky. I was actually awoken by the rain this ah, morning, which is a rare I phenomenon. It's, it was very comforting. It was kind of scary, if you okay. ask me. <laughs> I was not. My phone was vibrating my pillow for my alarms, so that was Alex, terrifying. you got to get that fixed. Hey, we're working on it. Hey, I'm here, aren't I? It's a step in the right direction. Is, uh, yeah, the rare occurrence. Alex is here. Hey, 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 hey. Um. What? So, what were you guys' biggest takeaways from the game? Because I think there was a lot to. Because there was a lot of positives, and a lot of negatives, especially at the start. Well, yeah, I think the 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 elephant in the room you have to address is the way the storyline of the game is the way that Bo Nix played. Yeah. Um. At, oh, a week coming off of being benched against a G five opponent, he's going into a hostile road environment, which you can't say Bo Nix in the same sentence without hostile road environment, considering his performance these past three years. What exactly did he do? On Saturday, he made it work. Is yeah. about is about the best as you can describe it. He was not stellar. He missed a lot of reads. His receivers missed a lot of, a uh, lot of drops. Lot, yeah, a lot of drops, for lack of a better term. And uh, the the connections was still doesn't seem it doesn't seem that Bow and his receivers are still on the same page 100 percent of the time, um, as you can see by our leading receiver being a tight end. But with all that being said. You got to look at the results, and he somehow, some way, found a way to escape the pocket a number of times, dance around, and find a completion on a touchdown pass, a clutch fourth down, and and any number of scramble first down runs. So, Bonix got the job done regardless of how well he looked doing it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this game was very much a showcase of what the Auburn coaches like about Bo Nix and why Bo Nix is probably the man going forward, or at least should be, because what I'd heard was that the Auburn coaching staff, as far as it 
goes. It, um, they like T.J. Finley more as a passer, pure passer, but they like Knicks for what he provides as the overall quarterback. And what that essentially means is his scrambling ability because I think if the offensive line was a top-10 offensive line in the country, T.J. Finley would probably start every single game. But the fact of the matter is the offensive line is not where it needs to be, and it requires the improvisation that Bo Nix, with his three years of experience and his ability, allows. And that's what we saw on uh, Saturday. I think, you know, a lot of people point at the 50%, near 50% completion percentage. I mean, how, how many drops was it? It was five, to, five or eight drops, honestly, between that within that range. And drops do more than just one incompletion. It, you know, sets you behind the sticks and forces more risky throws, which then just makes it worse and worse. I think with a better receiving core, that game goes even more, even differently with uh, Knicks at quarterback. I think that was just very much what it made sense, and I think it was him winning the job. I think, as as it was learned later on, um, Harson had always planned to play Finley at least one series. I did not know that going in. I think Harson did a great job of not telling anybody what the game plan was, mm-hmm. as he said in his post game presser after Georgia State. But I, I was happy with Nix's performance. I think there were a lot of misses still, but there were a lot of drops too. And I think also the John Samuel Shanker uh, slander needs to end to a certain someone to my left. Davis? I just think he used, he relies on him too much, but I can understand why if every other receiver drops it. I'm about to say he's the, he's the most Look, reliable guy on the field. Here's the thing. I, I, I'm happy that Bo did well. He played good. But I don't think the type of play from last week or from this week last weekend is going to be sustainable in the long run. I don't think so he's either. Not, he's not Johnny Manziel in college. Even that obviously wasn't sustainable for Johnny Manziel. Well, I mean, it was pretty sustainable in college. In college, but yeah. then, but you know what I mean. I don't think I, I don't think Bill's going to be able to do that every single game and get us the win every time. So obviously the offensive line is going to have to step up and the receivers are going to have to step up and not drop it every other pass. And I think Bo also has to – you know what? I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to rag on Bo. I, I'm gonna leave him alone this week. Yeah, I, I will. Good. I will too. I swear, if on Saturday there are people that boo him when he gets named in the starting lineup, I will start to throw there things will. because there, there's no need for that at this point. I mean, I think what we're seeing is I, I mentioned at the start of the show we're learning a lot about Auburn, and what we're learning right now is the fact that the receiving core and the offensive line are not good. They just aren't. This is not a. They're not in a rut. You know, they're not. They're not just. It's a slow start. They're not good anymore. Like they, 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 they aren't. I think. A lot of criticism for Bobo was levied. I think there was a drive where it was three straight incompletions that Jacob and I looked at each other and said that was the worst drive we've ever seen mm, because of the and, play call. And, and not only the play calling, where you are on the field backed up yeah. the shadow of your own goalpost. And to be honest, one of the plays is that play where you've got Robertson and Hudson as your two receivers to your right, Bo rolls to his right, and Robertson's just there. The play wasn't there. And Bobo's run that play before, but I think it's because he doesn't think Bo will have the time behind the – Offensive line, and he doesn't think Robertson or Hudson can get open because they haven't so far this season. And when they do, they don't make the catch. And I think that's where the offense is kind of having to struggle and get it a little more gimmicky. And this is something that Harson's mentioned in his presser before. They need big plays and they can't find them, which is why there was that onside kick at the start of the half. Because the Harson offense, since his days at Boise State, has, has lived off of big plays. And right now they aren't getting them. And they're going to look for him wherever they can, which is why they did that. And I honestly was fine with the onside kick after the fact. Because if it worked, it would have been genius. It didn't. But the offensive, no, it kind of almost did. It almost it went did. Out of it almost did. It, really, it, really, like, it was there. And it would have worked because LSU was caught off guard. But 
it's because Harson desperately wants those big plays because that's where his offense thrives. That's where it did against Bo- and Boise State. I mean, that's Kellen Moore was breaking every record in the book because he was throwing at 60 yards downfield to Titus Young every other play. That's what they did, right? And they're not getting that right now. You know, they, they rely on Schenker. Harson does not want to rely on him. Mm-hmm. He's great, but he doesn't want to have to rely on him, but they do because right now the offense just isn't getting it done. All right, we are going to head to a quick break. When we get back, more college football talk, including what happened in the top 25, what your new top 25 looks like, and a whole lot more. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. And gentlemen, this is FM 91. W-E-G-L-O-B-A. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex Houston and Davis Carroll on this exciting Monday morning. We're talking all things college football wrap up. In the second hour, we'll talk a little playoff baseball as that's getting underway pretty soon here. Everyone has punched their ticket to the Fall Classic, and we got NFL to get to as well, as I know um, lots of storylines from an exciting NFL Sunday, as well as a big Sunday night game and a big Monday night game tonight. So plenty to talk about in the world of sports. So let's jump right in with your college football top 25 what went down on Saturday? Let's go. All right, it was number 25, Clemson, staving off a late comeback from the Eagles of Boston College. They escape 19-13. to Clemson struggling and unranked now. Wake Forest remains undefeated, and they take care of business. 3-0 in conference play as they take down Louisville, 37-34. to In the ACC as well, it is number 23, NC State. They took care of Louisiana State, just barely holding off a late comeback to win 34-27. Your Auburn Tigers went down to Death Valley and won for the first time since 1999, 24-19 over the Bayou Bengals, where are Auburn Tigers. Arizona State comes into the Rose Bowl and blows out the Bruins of UCLA, 42-23. In the Big 12, it was Oklahoma State remaining undefeated, taking down the Baylor Bears, 24-14. Down goes Fresno State as they make a trip over to Hawaii and come away empty-handed. Hawaii with a 17-point fourth quarter to take down the Bulldogs, 27-24. Michigan State continues their undefeated campaign, 48-31, over the Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky. Coastal Carolina continues to roll through their schedule. They open up conference play 1-0 as they take down UL Monroe, 59-6. Mississippi State with a big upset. They come into College Station and take care of A&M, 26-22. Go the Bulldogs. Michigan wins in Camp Randall for just the second time. Under Harbaugh, they beat Wisconsin handily, 38-17. Ohio State blows out Rutgers, 52-13. Kentucky beats Florida for the first time since 1986 in Lexington. Wildcats come away on top, 20-13 over the number 10-ranked Gators. Cincinnati defeats Notre Dame in a top 10 matchup. It was the Bearcats 24, Irish 13. Oklahoma escapes a scare from Kansas State. They come away victorious 37-31. Penn State blanks Indiana 24-0. Down goes Oregon in overtime 31-24. Go the Ducks. 
And in the SEC, we can't ignore Georgia blanking Arkansas 37 to nothing and Alabama doubling up on those running Rebels of Ole Miss 42 to 21. Your Friday games were BYU defeating in-state rival Utah State 34 to 20 and Iowa remaining undefeated. They took care of Maryland 51 to 14 and are looking pretty good to win that Big 10 West. Now are the Hawkeyes of Iowa as they hung 51 on a very good Maryland team Friday night. All right. Initial reactions to, I mean, we had four top, for the first time since 2018, we had four top 10 teams lose in the same week. And this has so far been the most uh, top 25 teams to lose to the first five weeks in the history of the AP poll era, which dates back to the 1930s. So Mm. it's been chaos. Interesting. Shades of 2007. In fact, exactly. That's the comparisons that everybody keeps making. I mean, man, Ole Miss and Arkansas, I know they were playing the two best teams. They looked bad. Arkansas more than Ole Miss, I would say. I just, and I'm very surprised that um, they did not drop as far as uh, they should have. I'm also surprised that Arkansas and Notre Dame dropped the same amount of spots. That actually is a bit ridiculous to me. Getting shut out 37 to nothing versus a close loss to what I think is a very good Cincinnati team is a bit ridiculous. And also, them also dropping the same as many spots as Oregon. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we just want to look at your new AP Top 25 poll. Uh, number 25, San Diego State Aztecs, undefeated. Number 24, your undefeated SMU Mustangs. Number 23 remains North Carolina State. North Carolina State actually won a game as a ranked team for the first time in five tries this past weekend. So, good job to the Wolfpack for staying ranked. Uh, you have Arizona State, 4-1. and one. After coming into the Rose Bowl and serving Chip Kelly up in a loss, Texas, after defeating uh, TCU, they will improve to 21st in the poll. And then you have Florida out of the SEC. They're sitting at 3-2 and two and number 20. So reactions to the back end of the poll here? I was very excited by Kentucky uh, finding the win and jumping up 15 spots. I know that wasn't necessarily the back end, but... Just, I think Mark Stoops is cementing himself as one of the top coaches in the SEC because it's not easy to recruit when you're, I mean, you're, no matter what, in terms of prestige alone, you're in the bottom half of the SEC, right? No matter what they do, they'll never be ahead of Florida and Georgia in anybody's mind, right? Even when they do beat them, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to be ahead of Alabama, LSU, Auburn, uh, Texas A&M even, right? You're in the bottom half, and you're finding ways to win games. And I think it's really an incredible story for Mark Stoop and for Kentucky. First win since 1986, right? And then just going down the bottom of it, I mean, I'm also very excited for Wake Forest. I just, I really like the chaos of this year providing 5-0 Kentucky and 5-0 Wake Forest. And, of course, the People's Champion, Coastal Carolina, yep. who I believe all the way to the top. So number 19, Wake Forest improves from 24 to 19, go the Demon Deeks. Auburn jumps up four spots to number 18. Ole Miss falls from 12 to 17 after getting doubled up by Alabama. Kentucky joins the party. They are ranked number 16 now. And the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers go from number 16 to number 15 and remain 5-0. and The Irish of Notre Dame fall to number 14 after sitting at 9 last week. Arkansas right there with them from 8 to 13. Oklahoma State doesn't drop too far after losing to an undefeated Baylor. Or they, excuse me, they jump up after beating Baylor from 19 to 12. Oklahoma State and the Cowboys are 
undefeated. Michigan State in the Big Ten undefeated as well. Brigham Young, 5-0. and They are sitting at number 10. Welcome to the top 10 BYU. Michigan, Oregon, Ohio State, Oklahoma, your Blue Bloods joining the top 10. Cincinnati, your wild card. They jumped from 7-5 to five after defeating the Fighting Irish. And then your top four, if the college football season were to end today, your playoff would be Alabama, Georgia, Iowa, and Penn State. So two conferences, four spots. That is what's occupying the top of the AP poll right now. So, I mean, are we shaping, we're shaping up for a big weekend in December when Alabama and Georgia and Iowa and Penn State play if things go chalk the rest of the season. I think we're shaping up for an incredible final week as well. I don't mean to look so far ahead because we're only five weeks in, but a couple games to keep an eye on, you know, going ahead. I mean, Oklahoma State has a very winnable schedule coming up, aside from a road game against Texas, who's ranked 21st, and then they're going to get Oklahoma at home uh, in Stillwater for Bedlam, which will be chaos as always. And then Michigan will be getting um, Ohio State in Ann Arbor for their uh, final regular season game. What's the big, been the biggest surprise, though, for you guys? Which team has really shocked you guys in terms of how well they're doing so far? I'd say Coastal Carolina. I'll, really? I mean, like, I, I just never really think of them as a uh-huh. top. I mean, like, not saying that they shouldn't be or anything, but when I think of Coastal Carolina and the Chanticleers, I never, one of the ones that pop in my head is being in the top 25, and I'm happy they are. Also, I'm really happy since he's t- fifth. Yep. I'm a big Bearcat not a big Bearcats fan. I am a Bearcats fan. I like them. It's one of the teams I kind of root for besides Auburn. I'm Jack. really impressed and excited by the prospect of Wake Forest doing yep. so well, um, considering how weak the ACC is this year. Um, if you look at the ACC, the Atlantic Division, Wake Forest is, of course, on top of that one, undefeated. NC State's right behind them. And then Clemson sitting at third in the Atlantic Division. So, it's a wide-open ACC Atlantic Division, and it's a wide-open ACC as you jump over to the Coastal, and the winningest team in the Coastal in terms of who was in first place is the Pittsburgh Panthers, and they are sitting at 1-0 in conference play, and you have Virginia Tech and UNC. So pretty, pretty good talent top to bottom. Miami sitting at dead last, by the way, after a big loss on Friday night with a missed field goal. So the ACC is completely wide open, and I don't know. It could be Wake Forest's year yep. to take command and run all the way to the game in Charlotte. Yep. And watch out for uh, November 13th. Wake Forest will be welcoming, welcoming NC State to town. That, both teams have very winnable schedules ahead. Could college game day visit Wake Forest? I don't know. My big surprise, though, BYU. I Coast Carolina, they returned a number of their starters from a year ago. In fact, the majority. So I kind of anticipated with their schedule they'd do as well. But BYU was the other story from last year. Remember, I think I don't know if you guys watched the game where BYU traveled to Coastal Carolina, but that was one of the most exciting games of the year, yeah, and one of the fun. most fun games of the year. Um, but with BYU, I really thought they would dip after the loss of Zach Wilson. They lost a lot of players as well, uh, Dax Milne as well, who was his number one guy, and they have not. They're you know they're in the top ten now, isn't it? Yeah, they are ten. They've got that win over Arizona State team, which is very good, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's well, yeah, very we, surprising. We, we figured out that they're good. Yeah, exactly. They, they they came in and blew uh, out I mean, a team that a lot of people were high on, and that was Chip Kelly's UCLA Bruins. Complete domination there. And with BYU, you know, they've got a very winnable schedule ahead. Problem is they're an independent, so they don't have, you know, they don't have that chance to play anybody ahead of them. But watch out for BYU because they've been good, really good so far. And I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on. And really, the biggest surprise there for me and the team right ahead of them, Michigan. 
I did not see Michigan looking this good. I thought they had a winnable start of the season, but mm. they've looked a lot better. A lot of improvement there. For I'm the impressed by Michigan State as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm really just broad base. I'm very, maybe this is poll bias, but I'm impressed by how well the Big Ten is doing. Exactly. Uh, I think the Big Ten might even have more ranked teams than the SEC. Citation needed, but... Um, I, I can count them up during the break, and we can get back on that. All right, so we are going to have to hit a quick break. Thank you, Alex. We are going to take about a five-minute break, as it is the top of the hour, about 9 a.m. And when we come back, we've got playoff baseball and National Football League to get to as we are rolling along on an armchair quarterback edition of Monday's Compact Discourse. Do not go anywhere. I'm Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex Houston and Davis Carroll. We're talking all things sports on this fine Monday, so if you got an opinion, go ahead and call in, 334-844-9345. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back in about five minutes with the second half of the show. Don't go anywhere. Keep that dial right here, WEGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1. Welcoming you back into the show. Apologize for the long break there. I had to get a cup of coffee and a couple of dollars change, if you understand that reference. So we'll head right back into the second half of the show. I'm your host, Jack Hart. Join alongside Davis Carroll and Alex Houston. We've been talking about college football for the past hour, including Auburn's big win over LSU for the first time in 22 years down in Death Valley. So if you missed any of that, feel free to check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Compact Discourse, look for that orange and blue logo, and you'll be able to hear the show completely PSA break-free wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are going to jump right in to Major League Baseball as if you look at your calendars, it is indeed October, which means it is time for some playoff baseball. How are we feeling about this? Are we excited after a weird playoff format last year? Good to be back to normal. Can you remind me what the format was? Because I, I was a little fuzzy on it. It was just top eight and then best of three. And okay. it was just like a eight-game tournament. Right. But it, it meant a lot of bad teams got to go to the playoffs. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Um, I personally am just excited because as not the biggest fan of baseball, I know you guys are much bigger fans than I am. You know, this is this is what a lot of non-baseball fans look forward to is the down-to-the-wire excitement that comes with the end of the season and then the playoffs because the playoffs are something else. That's, I think, a lot of fans of baseball struggle with the 160-game seasons where, you know, it feels like some of these games are non-consequential. Well, now we're out of that and into this point where it's going to be a very exciting playoffs with a lot of very, very good teams. I will say that, uh, obviously, some of the teams that Jack and I wanted in weren't able to make it. Most specifically, the Seattle oh, Mariners. I, I, had to, I had to rep the shirt today. Yeah, we were we were hoping for chaos uh, with a four game wild card tie. Um, that would have been very exciting. I know we had a similar situation like that um, three years ago in 2018 in the NL, but the, unfortunately, um, the chaos gods did not reign this time, and we have a pretty clear picture of who's going to be in the postseason. 
Yeah, I have it pulled up if you want to go over it real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll hit the AL first, starting with the AL wildcard game. Yeah, so the AL wildcard game will be the New York Yankees versus the Boston Red Sox. That is going to be Tuesday at 7 Central on ESPN. Any That's predictions for that, Jack? I really like the Yanks this year, although the Red Sox are, I think, hotter. The The Yanks have struggled a little bit down the stretch, but I, I don't know. It's, it's fun to see... You know, rivalries work a little different in professional sports, uh, especially in in baseball when you play each other, you know, 30 times a year. So to have your entire season riding on one game, and that one game is probably the most storied rivalry in baseball, it'll be fun regardless of, of – I just hope it's a good game. Yeah. For, for what it's worth, Yankees have won seven of their last ten compared to the Red Sox only winning five of their last ten. So it appears mm. the Yankees have the momentum and arguably the better roster at this point. Well, when I say that, I mean that the Yankees had a better – like they were presumptive okay, to make yeah. the play. The Red Sox and, don't have to hit against Chris Sale. Yeah, and the Red Sox kind of had to battle their way into a spot. Okay, yeah. Makes sense. Is what I mean. The yeah. winner of the Red Sox versus Yankees will be playing the Tampa Bay uh, Rays in the ALDS. Uh, that will start Thursday. And the uh, Rays have 100 wins this season, I believe. Another really hot season for them, even though they lost Tyler Glass now halfway through to an yeah. arm injury. The Rays' front office just needs to start playing the lottery, they, I think. They're... They're good. They're, they're, they get, I, I wouldn't put it all to luck. It's not luck. I'm saying that they're just good. Uh, maybe maybe stock market would be a better. Okay, fair. Yeah. And uh, and the other your other AL uh, uh, playoff game will be the White Sox versus the Houston Astros. I'm going to be rooting for the White Sox on that one personally. Yep. And if you don't know how the playoff uh, picture work or the playoff format works, I know it's a bit confusing in baseball. The Yankees and the Red Sox will be playing in what is called the wild card game. It is just that. It is a one game that gets played on Tuesday. to Basically, to, it's a play-in if you like March Madness. So it is one game to get invited to the dance where you will now play a three-game series with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, the Sox and the Astros, by dint of their good records, will be already be invited to their three-game series. So that will kick off in Houston on Thursday and then Tampa in the Tropicana in Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg, will be welcoming in their AL East rival on Thursday as well. So, Davis, you're you're rooting for the White Sox, but are you picking the White Sox? No, I'm just rooting okay. for them. I, I mean, just, I, I, I think the Astros, the Astros throughout the season have had the most electric offense in baseball, but I I I'm I think the pitching staff for the White Sox is good enough to take them down. True, true. I, I I would say so, though the White Sox do struggle a bit on the road, 40-41 and 41 so far this season, and the Astros will have home field advantage. Not much because it is only a three-game series, but it could mm. be the difference maker. Yeah, and we know how much of a difference home field advantage makes if you're the Astros. Whoa. All right, we are going to head to a quick break, and when we get back, I know, you know, low-hanging fruit's the sweetest of all sometimes. We are going to hit the National League side of the bracket and talk about what to get excited about as we see a 100-win team in the wildcard game. Yeah, you got to see it to believe it. On the other side of this break, will we see vintage Wayno take the bump? That's going to be 2011 all over again for these St. Louis Cardinals, is my hope. All right, on the other side of the break, you're listening to Compact Discourse, WEGL. We'll be back in about two minutes with some playoff baseball chat.
Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex Houston and Davis Carroll. Once again, if you'll check your calendars, you will see that it is October 10th month of the year, and that can mean only one thing, and that is playoff baseball. So that's what we're talking about right here on Compact Discourse as we get ready for the fall classic. Should be a good one no matter who ends up there. So we are going to talk about who has the potential to end up there. We are looking at the National League. Talked about the American League on the other side of that break. So we're going to head over to the NL wildcard game. That is going to be Wednesday at 7 p.m. on TBS, 7 p.m. Central. It is the St. Louis Cardinals who had to fight tooth and nail to steal their playoff spot away from the rest of the National League field, including the Cincinnati Reds and San Diego Padres. But they made it in by dint of a 17-game winning streak down the stretch, and they will be playing the Los Angeles Dodgers, Los Angeles Doyers, if you will, as they may be wearing their all-blue uniforms (laughs) that say Los Dodgers on them. So we will see how that shapes up on Wednesday night at 7 p.m., Cardinals and Dodgers, two teams, you know, fraught with trials and tribulations throughout the year, especially the Dodgers, who made plenty of moves in the offseason and then are out one of their best pitchers due to some off-the-field shenanigans. So we shall see what – did Did uh, Scherzer join midseason or was that an offseason? It was at the trade deadline. Okay. He, he and Trey Turner got traded for – I can't even remember. But, yeah, the Dodgers swept in and took him from the Padres. Spare change. It was crazy. Quick. Yeah, it was yeah, it was a so prospect. Scherzer though. didn't even play a full season on the Padres? Is that right? On the Dodgers. On the it's been half a year. No, but how long was he on the Padres? He wasn't. They were gonna he was gonna oh. get traded to the Padres, but then the Dodgers came in and were like, We'll give you everything for him and Trey Turner and then and then for some reason the Nationals were like, Okay, here. Well, for some crazy. reason crazy. For a lot of money. Yeah, for a lot of money and some prospects. The Padres could have had him and then still missed the playoffs. I will say uh, I am very excited for Adam Wainwright to maybe be be, be 2011 Wayno, as you said on the other other half of the break. He's actually been having a really good season this year. I gotta say, 305 ERA, 174 Ks, 106 WHIP, and 17 and seven overall for the season. Pretty good for what pushing. He's he's 40. Really good for 40. I'd I'd say. I. I think we can see something big at the wild card game is what I'm hoping. Okay, yeah. Speaking of something big, I'm trying to get, like, confirmation on this. But So the Dodgers have 106 wins. Like, most clubs would, like, kill to get that. Yes. And they aren't even winning their division. So <laughs> It's a crazy division in the NL West. Yeah, so they, they are the winningest wild card team is what I'm seeing. Ever? I believe so because yeah, I'm looking. That makes at, sense. I'm 106. You usually don't make the wild card for 106. Most, it, yeah. it is the most. There have been I think four teams uh, or five teams ever to get in the wild card with 100 wins. The Dodgers do have the most. So we have the Dodgers at 106 and 56, and then the 2001 A's of uh, Moneyball fame. Mm-hmm. That was also the year that the Mariners broke the single season win record at yeah. 116. So the A's got in a wild card spot at 102 and 60. 2018 Yankees made it with a 162 record, uh, where they defeated the A's in the wild card game. And then the 2002 Angels, who note went on to win the World Series, 
got in with a 99 and 63 record back in 02. Interesting. So, the winningest wildcard team of all time will be taking on in the Chavez Ravine will be taking on the Redbirds to get the right to take on the potential division rival the San Francisco Giants who are the surprise of the season. They've been leading the NL West all season long and they finally sealed the deal by clinching over the weekend. So the San Francisco Giants are going to be hosting a playoff series. It feels like you know, the early 2010s all over again with the San Francisco Giants after a few years in the basement. They beat out the Dodgers by one game. They have a 107, 107 and 55 record after taking care of the Padres yesterday. Speaking of, real quick about the Dodgers player you mentioned not being there, their mm. pitcher, his uh, administrative leave has been extended through the postseason, so we're not going to be seeing him any this season at all. You know... That's good. Yeah, no good. comment. No comment, but it's good. I'll 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 let I'll let the the judgment get passed for me. All right. So that 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 will be the Giants hosting a playoff series for I believe the first time since their World Series win back in 2014. So it will be nice to see some potentially splashdown home runs, maybe a walk off even. Uh, that's always fun to see a walk off in Giants Stadium. On the other side of the bracket, you have my Atlanta Braves traveling up to Milwaukee to take on the Brew Crew. That series will start on Friday, as well as the wild card winner at the Giants. Both of those are going to kick our first pitch. It's going to be on Friday afternoon as the Atlanta Braves pulled off a stunning upset over the New York Mets. New York Mets were the longest team in first place in their division to not win their division of all time. And it wouldn't happen to any other team but the Mets. It's really sad for the Mets. Yeah, if they, I feel like if they still had, I mean, that's not even controversial. If they still had Jacob DeGrom, it would be a totally different season for them. Even then, Jacob DeGrom's put together many great seasons for the Mets, and they've still let them down. I don't know. So I can't even guarantee Mets what gonna I just Mets going to Mets. This was the team that, if you'll remember, back on one of our first episodes of Compact Discourse, we were discussing – the ethics of the players booing the fans. So that's fair. Vintage, the Met, the vi- Mets are bad. Vintage Mets. Every player that gets taken to the Mets gets like put in a black hole. Javi Baez can't even hit a ball. Lindor. Lind. I like Lindor, but I feel bad for I him. I mean, poor guy. Once you like, he's good defensively. He just cannot hit anymore. Once you put on the pinstripes, you you're cursed. So that is what the MLB playoff postseason picture is going to look like. Once again, wild card game on Tuesday is the Sox and the Yanks. That'll be five versus four going up against winner of that one going up against the first seeded Rays. And then also kicking off on Thursday, you're going to have the White Sox versus the Astros in the juice box in Houston. And then once again, NL wrap up, you got the Cardinals traveling to the Chavez Ravine to take on the Dodgers in Dodger Stadium. Winner of that will play in Oracle Park, up in the Bay in San Francisco. And then in Milwaukee, you got the Atlanta Braves taking on the Milwaukee Brewers for the NLDS. So excited to continue to cover the postseason as we roll on through the month of October. Let's, uh, let's look at um, some odds. All right. San Francisco has a 48% chance 
to beat L.A. in the NLDS, but they have a 65% chance to beat St. Louis in the NLDS. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, any team that, if L.A. can win their wild card, which uh, I feel like everybody's kind of rooting for an upset here, except L.A. fans. Yeah. Any team that they face in an extended series is going to be difficult for the other team because their pitching staff is so deep and their team's just so stacked overall. One day they'll face Scherzer, then Urias, then Bueller, then uh, whoever else is in their starting lineup now. I can't even remember. It It's hard to win in a three-game series, let alone any other extended series against them if your pitching staff isn't as deep. Mm-hmm. Um, you also... In the NLCS, they they have a 65% chance in the neighborhood of that. About the same chance to beat St. Louis as they do to beat either whoever shows up, Milwaukee or Atlanta. So it looks like, according to the odds makers, the only team that will give the San Francisco Giants a 50% challenge rather than a two-thirds challenge is going to be the Dodgers. Mm, Interesting. The highest percent chance to win a series is in the World Series against the Yankees. You can believe that. If anybody anybody against the Yankees or the no Yan- the the Giants, oh, the, okay. the, their best chance to win a series is against the Yankees in the World Series. That is that is interesting. Yeah, merely beating out Boston, who they have a seventy percent chance of beating. Um, the Giants pegged at a twenty point four chance to win the World Series. Um, next up on that list would be the Brewers with a nine point two percent chance. The Braves seven point three percent chance. Dodgers, they're giving them a 14.8% chance. The hapless St. Louis Cardinals, if you want to call them that, with a 1.7% chance to win the World Series. Over in the AL, it is the Rays with a 17% chance. Astros with a 14% chance. White Sox with a 10% chance. Red Sox with a 3.2% chance. And the New York Yankees with a 2% chance. So out of all of those... They are giving the Giants the best chance to win and the Cardinals the worst chance to win, which I would say makes sense considering the Cardinals have the most difficult route to the playoffs, having to defeat two 106-plus win teams pretty much back-to-back to even have a sniff at the NLCS. So I think that's pretty realistic. I would agree. I would also agree. I mean, the Giants... Giants are kind of like the the unexpected darling of the season. Nobody really expected them to even be this good. No one expected them to, you know, it, it, they expected probably like a third-place finish, especially yeah. with as talented as that NLS division is. And for them to run away with the, with the division crown, pretty unexpected. Good so for them. The pennant chase is on for these teams as we continue to look around the playoff picture. It's going to be pretty exciting to see what um, we'll talk about once again the the teams that just missed out, including the Blue Jays and the Mariners, by dint of just a one or two game separation. Looking at your final standings for the year, they were not able to make the postseason. The Blue Jays will finish one game out of the wild card spot with the Mariners finishing two games out of the wild card spot. So pretty tight race in the American League. So we are saddened to say that the playoff drought will continue for the Mariners for at least one more year. Let's hope next uh, if they can I hope they can get Kyle Seeger back for another or Sager. I'm not sure if it's Seeger or Sager. Mm. Whatever. I hope they they 
there's apparently fans trying to get a fundraiser going so they can give money to the Mariners so they can re-sign him. Aww. He's kind of like the heart and soul of the teams from what I understand. We had There was players crying and saying how much they love him as a teammate. Let's hope they can get him back and maybe make the playoffs next year. I hope so. Yeah. He's just going to leave and go get more money elsewhere. Alex, you're such a pessimist. It's just the reality. You're like the bad guy in the sports movie. If the fans have to raise money to Break sign Break his guy, leg. That's like you, Alex. Look, didn't you see Moneyball? There's no happy endings for small market teams. It's just I the think rule. there might be. He seems to really love Seattle. They gave him a stand ovation. He seemed to really love it. Well, a lot of people like where they live until they get $400 million from the next team. <laughs> Alex, Come he's on such now. a Debbie Downer. Um, yeah, so no, no, no 2011 level excitement in Game 162s over the weekend, but... It was exciting to see the playoff picture shape up. And you know what? It's tomorrow, the wild card game, so get ready. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. On the other side of the break, we're talking about the NFL, including Brady's return to Foxborough, the Washington football team's win over Atlanta, and the Dallas Cowboys staving off the comeback from the Carolina Panthers. The return of Sam Darnold? Is critical gaze theory real? Sam Newton? All of that and more on the other side of the break as you're listening to Convey Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside the lovely Davis Carroll and the stabilizing Alex Houston. His uh, camera is trying its best to, to, to get him in frame there. I'd say I'll grumpy give a good, Alex Houston. Well, not the first camera Alex has broken. So What? Boom. What other one did I break? We are talking joke, about the NFL. It's a face for radio joke. Uh, th- thanks for coming out. Ah, All right. Thanks. This guy gets it. This guy. Gets this guy it. gets it. Not you, Alex. I know. Not me. All right. So, welcome into the show. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex and Davis, the box office, if you will. Could um, I interrupt for one second? Yeah. Go ahead. Um. So we were talking about it before the break. Uh. Now the score just posted an article. Kyle, Kyle Seeger says, "Quote: I haven't talked to the GM in probably four years." He's been there oh, since 2011, wow. so he's, it's his rookie uh, deal or oh. something. Anyway, on to the NFL. The, you through may the go. lens, by the way. What? Yes. Um, I got it confused with your other show. What did you call the, it? The Bench Warmers. No. The one that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, okay. It's been retired temporarily. Through the lens. Great show. Uh, Alex, calm down, What's please. the most recent episode? Uh, the most recent one was the one we had Jack on where we talked about Indiana Jones. Oh. And now, <laughs> to begin scary movie season, we'll be talking about the Scream movies, but Scream 1 and Scream 4 because it's the 25th and 10th anniversary of both movies this year. So, mm. so no love for Scream 2 and 3. Well, I mean, eh. It's a one-hour show. They're honestly the worst ones. So, okay. I, I, I have to watch four movies in that case. I'm not sure I can All right. that. All right. Um, are you excited to watch the Scream movies, Davis? I'd say yeah. I, got, I do got... No, I have, I have two tests I need to study for, so I'm going to have to be juggling a lot of things. You can week. retake a class. You can't rewatch the Scream movie. What? Boom. 
Wow. Wisdom from Jack Ruth. I'm excited to uh, to hear through the lens. I like scary movies. I like, mm, I won't say I like scary movies because most horror movies, in my opinion, are just like not entertaining to watch. Mm. Some of them are really good. There you find some gems in there. Well, because Scream is like a satire and it's like a movie within a movie and it's self aware. So that makes it a lot more enjoyable than the traditional. I will say that um, I I do enjoy like Halloween themed movies. Like, I know. Don't get mad at me. I do enjoy Hubie Halloween. No. Uh, Only because I love like the decorations are so cute. It's like set in Salem, Massachusetts. You've fallen for it. I love like vintage Halloween aesthetic. And, you know, it's. I'm trying to think of another movie that's like set like Halloween Town. Yes, like Halloween Town. Even though that's a bad movie. No, 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 no. Halloween Town is significantly better than Hubie Halloween. Hocus Pocus, Jack. A movie that Alex hates. Uh, I hate Hocus Pocus. I'm reeling from that. Hubie uh, Halloween's terrible. Yeah, they're making a sequel to Hocus Pocus. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not excited. We talked about it on the last episode. I think I'm not excited. How much Alex it. hates? It. I don't like Hocus Pocus. All right, so. Stay tuned for all of that and more coming up on Through the Lens, uh, an entire month of Halloween scary spooky movies to get you through the October season. Those get recorded on Monday. You can hear them on WEGL 91.1. Just tune in right here, uh, and you'll be able to hear last week's episode uh, playing on Mondays on the radio, and then on Fridays they get uploaded to your podcast player of choice. So listen to the Indiana Jones one if you haven't yet. And get excited for the Scream episode as we kick off Spooky Scary Skeleton Season here on WEGL 91.1 FM and our family network of shows. All right, we're going to jump right into the National Football League. It was an exciting day of football. I was able to listen to a lot of games and score updates on the radio driving back from Louisiana yesterday, but... If you were not able to get any updates on the scores, we got you covered. We're going to jump right into NFL scores right here, right now. All right, your Thursday night game. It was the battle of the first-round picks. Trevor Lawrence unable to get his first win as a Jaguar. The Jags fall to 0-4 as they get eked out by the Bengals on a game-winning field goal, 24-21. It was the Washington football team over the Atlanta Falcons, 34-3. 30, getting a big win, go the Washington football team. Uh, The Bills obliterate the Texans 40 to nothing. The Texans continue to struggle. The Bears take care of the Lions 24 to 14 in an NFC North matchup. Cowboys stave off a fervent comeback from the Carolina Panthers 36 to 28. Colts travel to South Beach and take care of the Dolphins 27 to 17. A low scoring game in U.S. Bank. It was the Browns 14-7 over the Minnesota Vikings. In overtime in the Dome, it was Danny Dimes and the New York Giants 27-21 over the Saints of New Orleans and Taysom Hill. In overtime again, it was the New York Jets with their first win of the season over the Tennessee Titans 27-24. Chiefs bounce back. They improve to 500 as Andy Reid gets revenge over his Eagles 42-30. Cardinals defeat the Rams and and. NFC West matchup. Cardinals undefeated 4-0, 37-20. They go over the Rams of Los Angeles. 28-21 go the Seahawks over the 49ers. Both teams now 2-2 two two as Seahawks and as the Seahawks improve to 2-2. Two two. The Ravens will get a win as they take care of the Broncos in mile high, 23-7. The Packers in the late game defeat the Steelers, 27-17. Steelers reeling 1-3 and 
And lastly, in your Sunday night game, it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady making his return to the Patriot Stadium in Foxborough. An Alabama tradition unlike any other. Mac Jones throws for two touchdowns, but the Patriots lose on a missed field goal, doinked off the upright, and that is all she wrote for Tom Brady's passing record. So, Buccaneers win that one 19-17. And that is going to do it for your NFL scoreboard. We are excited for Raiders and Chargers tonight, live from Inglewood, California, SoFi Stadium. That one's kicking off at 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN as the 3-0 Raiders look to improve to 4-0, taking on the 2-1 Los Angeles Chargers. And that is going to do it for your NFL scoreboard. Quite a, uh, quite a uh, slate of games on Sunday. A lot of chaos. A lot of question marks, like how the Green Bay Packers looked dead in the water to start the season and since then have looked flawless. How the Saints lost to the Giants. I don't understand what's happening. All I know is the Buffalo Bills are really good. Here's, <clears throat> I just want to say, uh, I don't understand how Cam Newton's without a job when with Big Ben playing like he is. Just gonna be honest. I mean, if you can prove to me otherwise that he has not been okay. playing terrible, I will concede and say I've not watched a lot of the Steelers games live. I've just watched after the fact and just seen Big Ben play like he's like blind in one eye or something. I don't it's, know how to It's loyalty it. to the franchise at this point. They think Ben's going to retire this year or next he's been, year. He's been threatened to retire for the past four years. He has no loyalty to them. No, I mean, no, I mean it's loyalty from the franchise yeah, I know, to him. But they can literally just sign Cam Newton, put at least you can heat the seat under him, make him I, play better. I don't know what exactly Cam Newton should be on a team is all I'm saying. I trust in Mike Tomlin is all that I got to say about that. Yeah, so Ben Roethlisberger um, on the season, 109 for 170, good for a completion percentage of 64%. He's thrown for 1,000 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions, goes Big Ben of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, I mean, Davis brings up a valid point that that's not exactly championship-level performance for the Pittsburgh Steelers, so we are looking at quarterback options, although, you know, it's a, it's a quarterback-starved season, wouldn't you say, Alex? I definitely would. Um, I mean, a lot of teams are struggling to find. I mean, Washington is being led by Taylor Heineke, a guy who was studying for his final exams at Old Dominion a year ago and now is the starting quarterback for the team. The league is struggling, and they're trying to find, you know, a lot of teams are trying to find that guy, and a lot of teams haven't panned out quite yet. I mean, you're seeing... The New York Jets on another new quarterback. Zach Wilson looked very good yesterday, that is true, but the reality is they're on another quarterback. And the Saints, you know, what is their answer? Because they looked like world beaters against the Packers, now they lost to the New York Giants, who are who were winless. And are, in my opinion, might be the worst team in the league. I really didn't think the Giants were going to win a game when they lost to the Atlanta. I really did not see it for them. Hmm. I mean, because Atlanta has not been good either. You know? So, it's... A lot of teams are struggling, and a lot of teams are holding on to players, hoping they'll pan out like the Giants with Daniel Jones. They have not made any effort to find anybody to light a fire under his uh, position like Davis Cam suggested Newton. with Roethlisberger. The problem with Cam is the backup quarterback should never be the story, yes. and he would be. That's why nobody's got and him. And that's yet. why I think the Patriots cut him, not because of the – well, he had a vaccination issue, was it, Jack? That's what I've been told. But I think it was more that citation needed. If you have Cam Newton, a former MVP, backing up a rookie quarterback, 
the moment that rookie starts struggling, they're gonna all the fans are gonna be like, we want Cam Newton in, we want Cam Newton in, and that's not good for a rookie quarterback. Exactly, year. exactly. You want to you made an investment, and you want that investment to get a year. You know, it's. I think they maybe they could have started Cam for another year and let like Mac be under him for a year, but obviously they didn't want to do that. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's you want to give a rookie quarterback time, but it's it's a whole mess right now, and the league itself is in shambles again. How did the New Orleans Saints look so good against the Green Bay Packers? And since then, the Packers are better than them. It's insane to me. And any team can beat any team. Any that's week. that's the point. But it's just it's just a crazy, crazy start of the season. The reality is, though, it's the Bills' league to lose, in my opinion. But that's the the Bills are one of three teams to open the season with two shutouts in four games. The other two won Super Bowls. So, for what it's worth, interesting. Well, the story for me is that the only 4-0 and team, oh, we'll see if that continues tonight for the Las Vegas Raiders, but the Arizona Cardinals, how about that team coming out of nowhere? I like how Kyler's playing. I'm surprised just because I didn't think Cliff Kingsbury had it in him because he couldn't win games at Texas Tech. So I'm surprised he's winning at the NFL level when he couldn't win at the Big 12 level, let alone at a team that was not even top tier in the Big 12. So... But it makes sense. I mean, they've got a great team assembled right now. With the, I mean, their offense is second to none in terms of just the people they have on that team. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. I was very impressed that they were able to beat the Rams so handedly after the Rams have looked so good yeah. so far this season. And like even the Titans lost yesterday. I don't know what's happening. Like the league is just, it's being tipped on its head right now. And well, the Titans lost because they didn't have AJ Brown or Julio. Well, yeah, but the Jets are not. I mean, the Jets looked awful through three games. The Jets scored a combined 20 points in three games. Like, regardless of who you're missing. And, I mean, like... Missing your two best receivers, I feel like, makes a big impact at the end of the day. I just don't think it would make that big of an impact against that bad of a team. And, again, the the Titans' defense looked bad yet again. All right, so we are looking at two 0-4 teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions were the first team to ever go 0-16. Will they be the first time to, team to ever go 0-17? Hmm. Interesting conundrum there. And Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, and the Jaguars continue to look for their first win. We'll talk a little bit more about T-Law, Urban Meyer, and the Jags, as well as the hapless Detroit Lions on the other side of a break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com. And you may be just listening to our podcast that is available wherever you get your podcast. Absolutely. PSA break free. So check that one out. We've talked Auburn LSU. We've talked trip to Baton Rouge. We've talked playoff baseball. We've talked the NFL. Plenty to get to on an armchair quarterback Monday as we get ready for Monday night football tonight with the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the 
Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert. So quarterback battle to be sure in SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. But we're going to punt on the NFL until tomorrow. We'll talk about the rest of the NFL season with potential guest Chris Tobias, Jacob Hillman, and the other sports nerds. So we'll head on over to Davis Carroll and Grayson Moyer, who's joining us in the studio after, you know, I don't know what happened to Alex, but he just... He just up we and cast le- a magic up, spell on Alex. Up and left. Turn him into a ghost. Up and yeah. left. Yeah, we, we didn't kill him. He's just a ghost now. He had to catch a haunting catch me. a taxi cab <laughs> driven by a skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, we alluded to it earlier in the show, and we were talking about the through the lens uh, episodes coming up for this exciting month of October. But you know, Halloween Town, the jury's out. I've been called out apparently for not enjoying this this Disney Channel original <laughs> movie, Halloween Town. Um, I will revise my statement. I very much enjoy the vibe of Halloween Town. I think it's very silly. I love, like, 90s Halloween aesthetic. I like, you know, old decorations and, you know, the orange lights and the big pumpkins and stuff. But plot for plot, I've watched this movie as an adult, and it makes very little sense and is not entertaining. <laughs> So that's exactly my bit with it. I I loved this movie as a child. It holds a very special place in my heart. And for that reason, I refuse to go back and watch it. Because if it doesn't hold up, it's going to break me. And like, there there are some things you just don't want to know. There are some things I want to be ignorant about. And there, there are a lot of pieces of media that are like that. Like, how do you feel about that, Davis? Have you seen it as an adult? I haven't probably seen it for 10 years, okay. to be honest. But we're you're gonna still like pro stra- Halloween Town. I mean, like I liked it as a kid, but I wouldn't like if it was on. I, I don't think I ever really like really paid attention to it. I like watched it, but like I couldn't tell you much of the plot points except that her, her grandma's that, a witch. Yeah, that's the that's the, that's and the, that she's also a famous actress. That's the crux. My mom, of every time media. we watched it, my mom was like, "That's so and so." Yes, it is so and so. Well, I also don't remember the plot. Like I, that's the thing. I only remember the vibe of Halloween Town. Mm-hmm. I, I remember. Liking basically what you've said, but I have no idea what it's about, frankly. Um, it was like my sister, my my older sister's, one of her favorite Disney Channel movies. So whenever it came on, it was a, well, that's what the TV is going to do for the next hour and a half sort of occasion. And this was absolutely unavoidable if you were a, oh, a yeah. Disney oh, yeah. Channel disciple. And we were. We I, absolutely were. I will say a lot of those old Disney Channel movies don't really hold up. There are a few I think do. Sky High is one of them. Okay. I think Sky High is still really good. I thought Sky High was like in movie theaters. Like I thought Sky well, High yeah, I don't was know a legitimate if it, movie. I don't think it was. If it was, then that's good for them that Disney got a hand on it. I think Holes was in movie theaters. Holes though. was absolutely yeah. Holes was really Holes good. Was really I, I used to watch that when it came on. I'm check you on this on Sky High. That's a crazy assertion think, if that's a Disney Channel I genuinely original. think it's Disney, Disney Channel Sorry, original. I opened a tick. I mean... <laughs> There, there's no way it, it the production it's so value good, is good, right? Like, they got Kurt Russell in the it. The plot's really cheesy, but, but it's, like, it's fun. And they, have, they have Kurt Russell and um, oh my gosh, I never can remember his name. Who the guy what? from Evil Dead? I don't know who you're talking about. The cast. At, he plays Ash in Evil Dead. And he so, plays yeah. the, he plays the gym coach. So the goes, sidekick. <laughs> the actress you were uh, your your mom was alluding to was of course Debbie Reynolds, yes. who is a classic, very classic Hollywood actress. Uh, she was in you know Singing in the Rain. And other, uh, you know, iconic uh, other bangers, iconic, yeah, movies you'd see on the great movie ride type movies. 
Um, so I think Grayson has has fact checked me. <laughs> Sky High was one hundred percent in theaters. It grossed like eighty five million dollars. Yeah, like, it was a big. Okay, movie. I, hey, I'm it, not. It, it was a relatively cheap movie. It was only thirty five. That's cool with me. They played it on Disney. Yeah, no, uh, it, it was it awesome. Was a, I loved it. Good for uh, how they get it. Did they make? Did Disney like make it and put well, it yeah, in? It's, okay, it's a cool. Disney movie, but they okay, cool. or it might be like a studio that they own. Yeah. It's very closely affiliated. Okay, then I retract my statement. That's another piece of media that I haven't gone back to was since the, I was a kid, and I don't want to. Was the Smart House Disney original? Smart yes. House, yeah, that was like one of the That's early a Disney originals. Thirteenth uh, year, you know, the one with the, the one with guy the where they turned into a le- yeah, look at the Irish. That one was crazy. M- Merman. Wait, this is a different. Wait, hold on. <laughs> is this a different movie that we're both talking about? No, no. There's Merman, and then there was the Leprechaun. Is that what Lepre- that's Luck of the Irish? The thirteenth no. year is the Merman. These Luck are the, the same movie. Luck of the, the Irish is that. Like I know they're separate movies, but yeah, they're he, the same. They're the plot. same plot. <laughs> and yeah. he, he loves basketball, but the end movie gets really <laughs> small, and he can't play basketball anymore because he's a leprechaun. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> no, I, I believe. I remember. That's that's about. I remember the trailer so vividly because I remember as a kid I saw. I was like, "What in the world is?" <laughs> Even as a kid, I thought it was crazy. I used to stay up really late and watch Disney Channel at like two in the morning. Those were, when they I was were a kid. fun, and they'd play all the oldest Disney original movies. So I saw mm-hmm. like Ghost of the Metroplex or whatever that oh, was yeah. called with the haunted movie theater. The, 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 the parody of Phantom of the Opera. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's almost. I it's, didn't. I didn't piece that together as mm-hmm. a kid. Um, I've been reading trivia about Halloween Town on IMDb, <laughs> which is. A mistake. <laughs> um, so the mom who in, in Halloween Town actually had to miss the premiere of Armageddon to make the movie. Wow, I'm sure she I'm sure she loves that one. But but has Armageddon held up? I don't remember what. Armageddon not really, is. Is but I mean the, it's still fun. That, that's not the one where Bruce Willis has to go mine an asteroid. That, yeah, that's Armageddon. Oh, it is. It's okay. Ben Affleck, Bruce Willis, whoever yeah, else is I in mean, it. What? No matter if Armageddon's good or not, we do have just the cultural lasting. It's easier to. You know, yeah, it's easier. Is it to, is it is it easier to, to train astronauts to be miners? I think so. What, what would you I'm rather just gonna do? Stare at you in dead air for that take. That's for bad. No, it's easier to train an astronaut to be a miner. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, is that what you just said? Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't listening to you. What the world? <laughs> Grayson is mad at me for something he didn't hear me say. No, I, I was like staring at the wall behind you. I was, I lost it for a second there. The ghost of Alex took over your body. I'm basically already the ghost of Weagle. I haunt this place. All right. Jim Becker was supposed to play the ice cream shop Yeti. Roger Patan and Jim arrived at the wardrobe fitting at the same time. The costumers found that Jim did not fit in the Yeti costume, but Roger did. So he became the Yeti and Jim became the mayor. Are we still talking about Halloween? Yeah, it seems yeah. like it. I don't remember I there being there a, Yeti. a Yeti. <laughs> So apparently anything goes on the cast of Halloween Town. <laughs> Whatever costume you fit, you're playing that if you, wa- you If you probably walked in the door while they were shooting, they were like, hey, come on, yay. Hey, we need a taxi driver the guy a was, skeleton. He was supposed to be the mayor. Like, you were supposed to have a speaking part, and it's like, well, you're the Yeti. <laughs> yeah, get in the suit. Get Yeti bit, man. nerd. Is the Yeti even in the movie? I don't remember. I don't know. I just I looked up Halloween Town Yeti, and there's no photos besides a, this. I think it's a throwaway gag where <laughs> he runs an ice cream shop. Yeah, but why'd they make him switch roles if that was a throwaway gag? <laughs> like, that's such a weird, weird bit. I mean, you know, it's it's Halloween Town. Like you said, anything goes. Weren't there like five of these? There were, yeah, there were, there were four. The second one's like the Revenge of Alec Amar or it's whatever his Calabar. name is. Calabar. I was kind of close. Uh, and then there's Halloween Town High, and then there's uh, 
Halloween Town University. I it's do remember Re- the names Re- being crazy. Return to that Halloween was, Town. That was one of the big pieces. I St. Helens, Oregon is where the original Halloween Town was filmed, and they welcome tourists. In fact, they have a month-long Spirit of Halloween event to celebrate the October holiday. They allow fans of the movie to explore the town. They even recreate parts of the set, like the giant jack-o'-lantern. Here's everybody. Here's Benny. Here's Benny the cab driver. I think. Well, yes. Let's conclude the show on Benny the cab driver. He's so funny. I liked Benny. I like the skeleton. Look at him driving. For those of you unfortunate enough to not be fans of Halloween Town, we will remember Benny the cab driver as a skeleton who drove a you know like 1920s taxi cab around Halloween Town, and he's very funny. He makes a lot of bad puns as. Uh, 90s writers were, were, were so apt to do about skeletons, you know, no bones about it and the like. So, mm. I'm excited to watch Halloween Town again. I'll say it. All right. Even though I don't like it. Maybe it'll change my mind. Maybe I'll, I'm, I'll warm up to it. It'll be like your new Hubie Halloween. Nothing will replace Hubie Halloween. It, something should. Hubie just Halloween just for came y'all's out on sake. my 21st birthday. It holds a very special place it in shouldn't. my heart. That was all I did. I watched UB Halloween while my friends ate KFC. All right. Good times. <laughs> Sounds like a fun birthday to me. It was a fun birthday. There, there you have it. All right. That is going to do it. Thank you, Grayson, and thank you, Davis, for joining me today. That is going to do it for Compact Discourse. Thank you so much for listening to this exciting episode right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. However you joined us today, whether that be from your radio antenna, WEGLFM.com, or listening to our podcast or watching Grayson's very shaky camera on our YouTube live stream. We'd like to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available as a podcast, absolutely PSA break free wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Compact Discourse. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDISCAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. If you want to tell us about Halloween Town, uh, go ahead and tweet at us. We are Auburn's only student-run morning show. You might want to go ahead and follow the station on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. That is all at W-E-G-L underscore A-U. we got some great stuff on those accounts already. And with that, for Jack Hart, Alex Houston, Grayson Moyer, and Davis Carroll, this has been another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. We wish you a great rest of your day, or Eagle. Congratulations to Auburn for winning in LSU for the first time in 20 years. We'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. to talk all things Compact Discourse. This is Jack Hart signing off, War Eagle, and go 1-0. and I have learned my lesson. I'm not wearing pants today.